I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Am I wearing sweatpants while I record this? You will never know. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my dream jobs in 2020 by taking unpaid internships at four of them. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and at a hotel. And then I wrote a book about my experience, which will be out in 2023. I am psyched to share my story with you, but in the meantime, I'm bringing you a few others, real people who work really cool jobs. So before you quit your day job to go be a painter or an actress or a life coach, listen in and see what it's really like behind the scenes. Welcome everybody back to quit your day job. I am so, so excited to have Kedge Martin with us today on the show. Kedge Martin is an advisor, entrepreneur, and coach to senior business people, philanthropists, and the next generation of family business owners. She is what I like to call a bridge builder, someone who has worked across government, nonprofit, and the business sectors. She has worked as a researcher for parliamentarians. She's run charities, including acting as CEO of Prince Harry's charity, Centibale, and since 2016 has been running her own coaching businesses. There's Forward, Rutbusters, KM Advisory, each of them tailored to people at different stages of their life and their career. Kedge has been my coach since 2018 and has been the wind beneath my wings when deciding to make my own career change. When I thought about who I was going to have on this podcast, she was the first person that came to mind. Her job is amazing and she is amazing and has given me some incredible advice. I found her at a time when I was really questioning if I was happy in my own career path, but completely stuck in thinking that there was nothing else I could do. And friends, look at me now. I credit her with so much. She is totally brilliant and wonderful, and I am delighted to have her here. So, Kedge, welcome to the show. Goodness, I'm I'm thrilled, and thank you for such generous comments. I'm not worthy of them at all, but you've just been a joy always as a friend and a, and, and a coachy. I just love watching you develop and grow, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I love bringing people on who say nice things about me. So, so far, so good. Okay, so, Kedge, I like to start these episodes with a little bit of a lightning round. So, Five fast questions. Answer the first thing that comes to your mind just to like ease us into the deeper stuff. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Okay. And I should actually just say that behind Kedge is the most spectacular view. She is in Mallorca. I'm seeing blue sky and mountains. Meanwhile, I'm wearing like three layers of turtleneck just to sit in my own house because it's freezing here in Scotland. So just want to give you, set the scene for everybody that's uh, listening to the audio. Okay, Kedge, question one. What did you want to be when you grew up? Prime Minister. <sighs> no question. No question. Do you want quick answers or do you want background? Well, I don't know. I want a little background on that one. 
Prime Minister, I think I had a, a privileged but probably bumpy childhood, and I wanted to fight injustice and get and right things, right wrong things, right wrong things from the very early stage. Correct. So probably eight, I said, I'm going to be a prime minister. I'm very pleased I'm not now because, frankly, the sort of people that go into politics are not the people you want to spend time with. But I also regret that I'm not in politics because I think I could have made it made a more of a difference than I'm doing at the moment. Never, and I sit on the sidelines and I feel exasperated. And I still, I still kind of think about it. But I, too late to be prime minister, but maybe to go into politics one day. You would have my vote for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Very valuable. Thank you. All right. Question two. Are you a city mouse or a country mouse? Oh, good one. A combination of both. I love the country. I love my dog and walking and countryside. But I need the vibrancy of the city. I need the energy and the people and the and the culture. And the, I, I, I'm very fortunate to have both. That's amazing. And I think uh, looking at your background, I thought you'd say country, but I know it's nice to have the balance. And I also, something I really appreciate actually being able to have both, having that privilege. Okay, question three. I might I might screw this up. Let's try this. Mobish po polsku. Nie. No, no, no mobi po polsku anymore. I used to speak Polish very good, but now I don't. No. I had to I had to Google translate that. Oh, very good. And yeah, maybe... mówię po polsku teraz. Oh my god. Okropna. Okay, I mean, well... my Polish is a Kropna, which is appalling. But yeah. Okay, well that sounds good. It was a long good. time ago. My brain is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. And um hopefully you'll tell us uh, through this conversation a bit about your Polish adventures because I am right. internally fascinated by them. Oczywiście. <laughs> We're going to have to do this one with subtitles. Okay, question four. What is your rut-busting exercise of choice? So when you're feeling in a rut, what do you go get out and do? Ah, good idea. Good question. I just walk. Walk is my walk without telephone, without music, without anything, just walk. I could walk and walk and walk and walk. So I did the Camino. I've done the Camino with a client. I can walk. I can walk and hike forever. That's that's my happy time. Yeah. Carlos is planning on doing the Camino for his 40th. Meanwhile, my 40th, as I told you, is being spent dancing <laughs> in a Disney that. World. So honestly, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. But let me, which Camino is he going to do? <sighs> That's a good question. I might have okay. to ask. I don't know. He's done one okay. before when he was in his young age. And I'm like fairly convinced he's not going to be able to hack it because he's a man who likes a nice hotel. But no judgments. Carlos, if you're listening, good luck on your adventure. <laughs> <laughs> you can find nice hotels. Now you can. All right, well, that, Which is why I asked what route. We'll take, we'll <laughs> take this like advice. We'll take this advice offline because I actually think he could probably use that. You've done very well in this lightning round. Okay, question five, perhaps the most important one. Claire Foy as Queen Elizabeth or Olivia Coleman as Queen Elizabeth? Oh, Olivia Coleman. I think she's a diamond. Absolutely outstanding. I could watch Olivia Coleman do anything and everything. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Good question, though. Hey, interesting. Hey, hey, lightning round for the win. Okay, well, you passed the hardest part of this interview, so well done. So, Kedge, I want to get into what you do. In 2017, in my research, the Daily Mail called you the fairy godmother of reinvention. And, yeah, beautiful picture in that article, too. So, just, well, I don't know if y'all should be supporting the Daily Mail, but anyway, you can look it up if you want to. But your career journey is completely fascinating. So, can you start by telling us what it is you do and how you got there? 
goodness, can I tell you what I do? Uh, I don't know. Do you know, people have called me a life alchemist. I mean, I suppose you could say my training is kind of psychology, kind of life coach, kind of experience myself. What do I do? I help people be more themselves. And I suppose this is going back to my reason of wanting to be a prime minister is to make things better. And if people are fulfilled and living their true selves, then they in turn have a bigger impact on other people and on life and environment and all the important things. So what do I do? I I run my businesses and I spend a lot of time with the people I choose to spend time with working with them on a one-to-one or with their families. And it's dealing with the problem, whatever they present. And it might be a kind of succession planning and family. And I mean, it's all about people and it's all about emotions and it's all about human capital which is the most important capital of all. And how did you get there from Poland, from speaking Polish to where you are now? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, I I think just by good fortune, I think, I think it's not a clear trajectory. So I probably am the worst person to give anyone advice on what to do in their careers. Yes, I've got three businesses and doing it. It's following your passion. I think that's it. And knowing what you're good at. So you play to your strengths and we're all given strengths. We all have our innate strengths and then we can develop skills and we can have, you know, we can learn other things. But essentially, we've all got our own individual song to sing. And it's trying to get in tune with that song. And then if you're singing that song, you're going to be happy, you're going to be successful. Hopefully you're going to have an impact on others. And there's no clear pathway, but I think just going back to what is it that you love, what is it that you're good at, that then then you do. So I'm afraid I haven't got an ABC route map to how to do what I do. Because I think I've got no skills at all. I've just, I've just that is gonna, so not true. <laughs> actually, I've just uncovered. That's a big flaw, isn't it? Actually, we're getting, we're getting real. We're getting real here on Quit Your Day Job, friends. We're getting real. Okay, but you start. So you started your career. You were working for a parliamentarian, right? I think I started my career. I tell you, this is an important point. I started, my first job was probably as a five-year-old or four-year-old. And I worked for a farmer in Ireland. I grew up on the West Coast of Ireland. And I think that was the, he taught me so many things. I think he was the most influential adult, giving me unconditional positive regards, even if I spilled a pail of milk. And in, in those days, it was literally kind of heard the cows into a shed and milk the cows. This is back in the late, early 70s, so a long, long time ago. So I kind of learned from him, I suppose, management and care of others and respect of others. And and then actually when I joined, when I, I didn't go to university because I wanted to go into politics and became a researcher to an MEP, I then learned probably the opposite of that, of how actually people hustled in Parliament and in Europe and didn't watch out for each other actually, didn't have that kind of collegiate sense that I think we all have naturally, but it maybe it's kicked out of us. And then from that, and actually Edward, who was my first boss, who was an MEP, had an interest in Eastern Europe. This is back, oh God, this is back 91, God, before time began. Wow. And the collapse of communism before, just after the Berlin Wall came down. And this is kind of history that most of your listeners won't, will know of, but it, it's kind of far away. And I decided, and I had actually just got married and my husband had got been made redundant. It was a big recession. And we decided to do, to kind of go east. And so I went to Poland with my husband and we set up a chain of laundromats and dry cleaners. And the reason we chose that was purely a business, a business reason. You know, you've got a population of 40 million, mainly living in high rise blocks, not with the 
access to washing machines or anything like that. And you kind of just do the sums kind of thing. Well, how many bed sheets and how many shirts and how many, all this kind of stuff. So that's how I started the business in Poland. Wow. I, originally, but it was a bit by mistake because actually we decided to go, to, we wanted to do something in furniture and we traveled around Hungary, Czechoslovakia, and Austria, looking at ideas. And then it was only simply because our laundry bag was rather big in the back of the car that I thought, I know what they need is they need laundromats. <laughs> and then we came back to England and apparently laundromats had made a lot of money in the 50s. So we learned, you know, this capital intensive, but actually the laundromat was a disaster. And because people didn't value what a laundromat gives you, which is kind of convenience, just, there was a certain amount of shame around doing a laundry in front of other people. But we had also had a dry cleaning machine on the side. So the dry cleaning machine was the business that actually really took off. And that's because people were getting to have professional clothes and that kind of stuff. Wow. And then so you, I know more things about stain removal than, than most dinner parties will. Okay, that is amazing. Definitely something I need in my life as I have to go after this call and clean up toothpaste from my carpet. So that's that's on my... Text uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so you have this kind of whole, you know, laundry and dry cleaning empire. And you you then go into the charity sector and you do some pretty incredible work for Wellchild, for Prince Harry's charity. What was that shift like and what did you like and not like about those jobs? So the shift came because we sold the business. So we were actually, we were a minority investor and the major investor, we decided to sell the business. So we sold the business and I came back to, well, we came back to England and I kind of thought, well, what am I good at? I'm good at operations. I'm good at kind of structure and strategy, but I still want to make a difference. You know, I'm not, you know, there there are things that interest me, which is impact. And I thought, well, actually most charities, and this is not a criticism at all, this is just kind of historical, but most charities in the UK are not very well run. It will not not run in a professional way. Certainly this is true back in the 90s. So I thought, well, I can combine my operations experience, my strategic interest. And if I put it in a charity, then I can make them run more effectively and I'll go have more impact. So I took over this small medical research charity called Children Nationwide Medical Research Fund, which was essentially bankrupt. And I kind of looked at it and thought, well, actually, why does this organization exist? You know, we don't, I don't just want to keep an organization alive because it's here and I've got a job. But actually, what's the purpose and what's the need now for kids? And there was a real need for children with long-term complex conditions. And so that's where we created Wellchild, which is in a way an ironic name, but I'm very proud of the brand, and then built that. So it's now kind of the UK's leading charity for children with long-term chronic conditions and we developed a program of nurses to kind of train parents how to look after them so kids could come home from hospital and we developed volunteering activities and it's the kind of thing I was having a conversation with my son yesterday and 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 we were talking about you know when one dies you know it's one accountable and I I believe one is and I have this fear that St Peter is going to say okay so Kedge you know we gave you all these skills and what the hell did you do with them <laughs> and my response would be well I, I kind of did well child does that kind of count and he'll kind of say oh yeah fine okay that's one thing and what else well I've been an okay mother I suppose and an okay wife and okay daughter and okay friend but you know and he'd probably say well yeah but that's kind of expected. That's given. So what else have you done with the one precious life that you give that we've given you? And I haven't found that yet. But certainly Wellchild is one of those things that I'll kind of put up there and say, please consider this. You, you get know. extra points, extra points for that. <laughs> 
And then from there, and then I got, and then Prince Harry became patron. So I knew strategically that we needed to raise the profile. We had created this new brand and we needed to raise the profile. So I approached, I remember having the the discussion with my board of trustees saying we need a royal patron because it kind of takes you to a different level. And actually I want, I was going to go for Prince William and one of the trustees said, no, go for Prince Harry, it's much more fun. Absolutely the right decision. (laughs) So I approached the royal household and I asked them for, for Prince Harry to consider the patronage and he it was one of his early early charities and, and it's I think he had a lot of fun and still does with Wild Child and then from that I obviously got to know him and his charity was a, in a little bit Santa Bali was in a little bit of a pickle very difficult to set up a charity at arm's length in South Africa in Lesotho tiny tiny landlocked country in South Africa and that was a fabulous project but it, it was essentially turning around a you probably can't say it a clusterfuck Maybe that's what I do. I turn around clusterfucks. I don't know. I haven't yet discovered what I do to answer your earlier question. I'm just excited we're using swear words on the podcast now because I wasn't sure what the rules are about that, but I actually think since it's my podcast, I can decide. So that is great. We bro- we broke that. We broke the R rating, people. Um, <laughs> clusterfuck. I love it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And then... You moved into coaching, and I actually, I'm really interested in this, and I actually think a lot of my listeners will be too, meaning my mother and maybe anybody else who <laughs> listens to this podcast. My husband well as well. But because, because I think a lot of people think about coaching as a career path that they would love to do, and maybe taking something that takes a lot of the experience that they built over whatever their career might have been and puts it into a different place. What was the decision like when you decided to set up your first coaching business, which was called Longbow, and now the name is changing. You know, why Why did you decide to move in that direction after all of the incredible things that you had done? It's a really good question. I think it came about, again, through serendipity, again, for kind of working with members of the royal family and, and, and helping on their philanthropy side and, and other, other, other stuff. It was a kind of segue into it. And then I became, and then I decided to, as, a, as an advisor, just to kind of wise wise woman in the corner and then I thought well I better train as a coach and learn skills and and it is it's a great thing to be able to help people and I think that's why people are so keen on coaching because they are going into coaching as a field because you are helping people that's and I think that's most of our drivers if we get down to it and it's getting I suppose a a speciality. So I work with ultra high net worth families because I have a, a background in that world, and I was in that world at that time. And the the fact the challenges that families in in that position have are not different, but sometimes 
sometimes more complicated than those who don't have the privilege and the responsibilities of significant wealth. Right. And so there's a, there's an element of degree of obviously discretion, confidentiality, but it's but I kind of I understand it because I've been there. And I think that's the value of coaching, isn't it? Is if you have had the first-hand experience as well as the skills and the methodology. But if you can empathize where people are at and understand their problems from within and hopefully help them arrive at solutions to where they want to get to. I am such a fan of coaching. It was like, well, I said it was like therapy for business, but actually it was just like therapy full stop because once you start talking about your professional life, it brings up all of these other issues around everything else in your life. Now, you said you don't have any skills, which is a big fat lie. You have a lot of skills. And I'm I'm wondering what kinds of skills do you think make a great coach, the difference between a good coach or an okay coach and a really great coach? Probably the most important skill is a listening skill. And that's an ongoing, goodness, one learns and learns and learns. And that's a skill that we need as a mother and a wife and a goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Manager, leader, all that kind of stuff. Listening skills. That's the hardest skill to learn. And that, that is a skill. I think most other bits are, which is why I say I don't have, and most other things are probably just one sense, just oneself, really. And that is what we have, you know, like I'm very fortunate I have two arms, two legs and that just, mm. just one sense of self is, which is why it's not a skill. It's kind of gift. Yeah. But it's not a gift that one's kind of earned. It's just a gift that one has, which is going and, back to singing the song that we're meant to sing. Yeah. And needs to cultivate too, right? Because And needs to cultivate. Amen. And be bold and do what we're meant to do. Like you were so bold to take your path, you know, and great, you know, kind of think, no, there's something more I need to do and something for this different stage. And I think that's why it's so exciting. We do have different life stages and to, to take stock and to reflect on actually, are you doing what you're meant to be doing now? And if not, that's absolutely fine, but get a pathway out and the coach can really help you do that. I think... Well, first of all, 100% agree. Just before we started recording, Kedge asked what my, if this was going to be my current life stage career, was going to be writing and podcasting and all these things. And I said, yes. And then in my 50s, I'm going to go become a wedding singer because I always wanted to do that. Need to wait till the kids finish school. But we, we're in, this, in the middle of this like extraordinary time in human history. I don't need to tell you. A lot of people are calling this the great resignation. A lot of people are really considering if they are singing the song they were meant to sing or if they should be doing something else. When you and I started working together, I was very much like, oh, no, I'm not I'm not leaving my job. Oh, no, I'm never leaving my job. I just need to fix these other things that are happening. And you were like, okay, sure. But to your credit, you didn't, you never pushed, but I came to the realization myself that I needed to kind of make some changes and do some things differently. How do you think someone knows when it's time to move on? And, you know, you've moved on from, you know, very high profile positions, big jobs, How do you know? Maybe, you know, sounds like you're thinking about what your next phase is going to be as well. How does someone know when it's time to move on? I think you've kind of, you do know, there's a wonderful quote, but I can't, I can't remember it, but I will try and remember it. It's Anais Nin, something about the unfurling of a bud. I can't remember what it is. You can edit all this out. But you know when you're no longer comfortable doing what you're doing and there's an urge to do something different. And actually that urge becomes so strong that you have to do it. And that urge of need to do the change is 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 more urgent than kind of staying where you are. Mm. So you you kind of go through this struggle. I think it's this transformation, isn't it? You know, it's the tadpole to the butterfly. No, it's not the tadpole to the butterfly. That would be a strange. That would be an insanely <laughs> cool transformation. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it is that transformation. So one needs to go, maybe one needs to kind of go through this period of, of when you kind of feel that you're just meh, you're kind of not really fulfilled. And yet you're very grateful for everything you've got mm, and everything you're doing and all the rest. Of it. And then there's this fear of actually what else could you do? There's that always that tension. And then you kind of think, well, damn it, you know, I've got to do something different. I want to do something different. I need to do something different. I'm here to do something different. So it's, but it's having, I think, you know, one goodness, one has to have the support structure of people and friends around oneself to allow one to do that changes because people, very often family and friends don't particularly like change because that kind of might have ramifications or it might reflect on them. I think it's when you become... Yeah, uncomfortable in, in what you, or not not as comfortable as you used to be. Right. And you're, and you're seeking something else. But it's a kind of nagging, gnawing. That's with you all the time. I can, I can definitely relate to that. Your different brands work with people at different life stages and different professional stages. So from uh, young people just figuring out what they want to do in the very early stages of their career, all the way through to CEOs and senior level professionals who have worked for a long time and then sort of come with a need for coaching. What's the same and what's different in people of, across these different age groups? Oh, that's a good question. I think going back to the gnawing feeling is that people feel they, they're not quite there yet. They don't know what there yet looks like. I think people need to, I suppose the world is changing so much so that there is much greater fluidity. So there's uncertainty in the younger generation. There's kind mm. of, they look at their parents who might have had a sort of fairly set career path, a lawyer, accountant or medical professional. And actually there's no set career paths now, you know, true companies that exist didn't exist five or 10 years ago. So it's a very, very different environment to the one that their parents grew up in. So there's there's that, there's kind of insecurity and lack of clarity in a way because there's no clear path. And then the older generation is kind of their whole status, their whole persona is in the role that they were performing. And very often they actually have hated that role, but they've mm. kind of kept the veneer for a number of years. And it's, you know, you hear about people who kind of either left and they kind of keep kind of pretending to go to the office until they can bear to tell their friends and family that actually they couldn't bear it any longer. Wow. Or in the worst cases, you know, people actually take their lives because they hate what they do. But other time people are at the top of their profession and they just want to do something else. I mean, we're lucky that we're living longer. Maybe maybe people don't have the kind of St. Peter question in their head, but I think everyone's got an innate, what am I here for? How, what am I going to do to make the most of this one precious life? And also maybe COVID has, has has kind of nudged that dial a bit as well. People thinking, you know, actually, what is my purpose? What, yeah. Why do I exist? You know, what's going to have been the point of me when I no longer am here? There's a great article in the New York Times, I think it was maybe back from 2019, pre-pandemic, called Wealthy, Successful, and Miserable. And the, <laughs> author, the author was a Harvard MBA grad, and he went back to his reunion and uh, realized that everybody was really unhappy, although they had money and they had achieved the things that they had been setting out to achieve when they were all back in business school together. And then he, I think he might have written a book about it. I can add a link to that after in this podcast description. But um, there's this idea that if you get to this point, then maybe... Maybe that's it. You'll get to this one place where happiness is and then you won't need to grow anymore and you won't need to change anymore. And I think a lot of people get to the place they thought they were supposed to get to and then find maybe it's not what they wanted at all. Or maybe they're happy there for a little while and they're not. Um, is that something that you see in your clients? A hundred percent. And I think, but I think that's because we always want to continue growing. And I must get that book if it is a book. I mean, it's a brilliant, brilliant title. Wealthy, Successful and Miserable. It's certainly something that 
people, it, it goes back to what people value. And because of the environment that we live in, you know, money is such a big kind of factor and consuming is such a big factor that people think that when they've got that or when they've got the nice house, when they've got the, you know, husband and two kids or actually that'll do. And they find out that it doesn't, there's more. And what is that more? That more is perhaps one's contribution to the world, mm. or whatever that is. Yeah. So it's not the having of stuff or the doing of stuff. It's actually the impact one wants. And I think that is just our innate humanness. I mean, my dog certainly doesn't worry about anything else other than food and walks. Mm. But I think we do. I think, I think that does go back to we're never quite settled because it's never quite enough. And our measurement is on stuff because that's our environment, but actually there's another measurement and I think that's our purpose. So we, are we getting close to our purpose? What advice do you have for people that are considering making a shift and are afraid to do it? Good question. I mean, I suppose the question is if not now, when? But reflect and I think what's important because obviously fear is, fear is something that's kept us alive. Our amygdala is both our friend and our foe. And I think the first thing is to take stock and to find out what you really value. So that's doing a values exercise and you can do a values exercise on any one of our websites, but it's kind of finding out what's important to you now and your values change as you go through life. So when you're a parent with young, you know, children being there with time with them might be the most important but when you're a bit like you're going to be your not your wedding singer which I think is a fabulous idea I'm gonna have to go to get wed we'll get married again so I'll also do again. uh parties retirements and bar and bat mitzvahs so don't worry Fantastic. you don't have to have another wedding <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a shame <laughs> well I mean the options available to you <laughs> but I think it's about knowing what's important to you at that life stage and your values do change as you go through as you go through life. So it's about taking stock about what's really important to you now. And that might be autonomy or it might be money or it might be family. It might be anything, but it's, it's important to kind of review and reset and just, yeah, and reflect, you know, what do you need? What's important to you? It's going to be completely amazing. Now you put out a book during the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about that? No, not yet. Because <laughs> I, <laughs> I failed miserably. No, I've had to re redo it. So it's work in progress. Coming soon. Okay. But, but it is called Midlife Reboot. So you'll hear about it. I sure will. I spy a collaboration coming. <laughs> <laughs> Kedge, this has been so amazing. I always like to finish up with this question, although this podcast has been completely full of amazing advice. What advice do you have for someone who wants to maybe move into coaching as a career path? What would you, maybe they're in their 20s, maybe they're in their 60s. What would you tell them to do first? I think get yourself a coach. So get, 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 get yourself a coach and see what it is about the coach that works with you that you like and you don't like, because that will help steer you as to what sort of coaching you want to go into. So I think that would be it. And then find some very good courses that you can do and then start practicing. Amazing. That's fabulous. Now we have your book to look forward to. Where else can people find out more about you or your work online? I don't know because I you referred to it to something in 2017. I have no idea what you're referring to. <gasps> okay, I'll My... send I'll send you the article about you, <laughs> the fairy godmother of reinvention, with a really really nice picture of you. Well, I I mean I can boost you up, which is that you can a quick Google of Kedge can pull up a number of different of uh, her businesses, but KM Advisory Forward Rutbusters all online. I don't do you do social media? 
Do you have a, do you have no. a TikTok? No TikTok catch. No, 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 no. I'm I'm just that generation that's just too old. Well, I know you can find her on LinkedIn. That's true. <laughs> you can find me on LinkedIn. Absolutely. That's probably as far social media as I go. <laughs> and through her websites. And Kedge, thank you so much for just being so open and just incredibly forthcoming with your advice and your thoughts. And I, for one, can't wait to see what your next career is going to be. So I look forward to that. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me and for doing such an amazing job. You are amazing. You're fabulous oh, and brilliant. And we're not editing this gorgeous. out. We're leaving this in. Ah, especially the gorgeous part. <laughs> Have an amazing day, Kedge. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a Zcast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zibby Books team for their support. Find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about the episode, future jobs you want me to profile, or the burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know.